Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast indeed. How are you doing today? Well, I'm going to start off by asking you quite a British question. I know a lot of people in a lot of British workplaces ask each other um, daily. What are you going to have for your tea tonight? Or if you're from the south of England, dinner? We ordered some pasta in yesterday from a very lovely local place. And um, I am going to have leftovers of that after I've recorded this Mm. and how about you i imagine it must be something exciting i don't know yet i don't know if i'm going to make something from the freezer if i'm going to order something it's the uh it's the conundrum that i'm in well what would you order i don't know this is the this is the thing do i want mcdonald's i tried the new chicken big mac quite good or do i want oh yeah i saw that there's like a a nando's-esque kind of place i i I just don't know maybe we'll come back to this at the end of the episode when i've had a think yes we'll see once we've had a discussion what you're hankering for Mm, quite what an apt conversation to start the podcast with very games related and suitable to the topic at hand that's right ninjas um today we are covering Number 64 on the Metacritic list, number 64, is Ninja Gaiden Black. Ninja Gaiden Black has a meta score of 94, and it was released on the original Xbox in the year 2005. Um, Okay, as we always do, do you have any history playing this game? If you don't have any history... um, What's your sort of awareness level of this game? I don't have any history. All I know about the Ninja Gaiden series is there's quite a few games in it. And it's um, I've always thought that it's quite a middling series. Like I never really hear too much about it. The only thing that I did really know is that the, the original Ninja Gaiden that was on the NES was like one of the hardest games ever. I remember my, my introduction to games media i.e. games reviews, journalism and stuff, was in the mid-2000s on YouTube with the Angry Video Game Nerd. And I recall him doing an episode on Ninja Gaiden and it being really frustrating. And I've seen a few speedruns. But other than that, that's my that's my maximum knowledge of Ninja Gaiden, as well as the fact that the, um, the lead character, Ryu, was um, featured in Dead or Alive. But that's about it, really. So, minimal. Yes. Very, very minimal. What about you? Um, my, my, I would describe Ninja Gaiden as a, as a hardcore series. I think that's probably why it's not so readily discussed. And I also think the entries vary in quality quite a bit. And I've heard Ninja Gaiden really, 3 was very bad. Yeah, when, when Ninja Gaiden 3 was released, and even to this day, uh, it suffers from design faults. But when it was released, it was a bit of a mess. Um, so that's probably why the conversation around Ninja Gaiden has declined somewhat in recent years. Um, obviously, they did the um, Ninja Gaiden collection recently. They released that. Um, but that's not what we played for the podcast because 
that does not contain Ninja Gaiden Black. My history with Ninja Gaiden goes back to the PS3. Um, so I was very, very, very early adopter of the PS3. And anyone that was that, that played the PS3 in those initial years will know that if you were really into your games, you were starved for games. And I bought a lot of things that I'd never really thought about buying before. And actually the version of Ninja Gaiden Sigma, because that's the version that I played, um, that I got on PS3, I didn't buy. Um, my brother used to work in game, I think I've mentioned in the yeah. past on the podcast. Um, and occasionally he would get promo copies of games, which are basically free versions of games that uh, maybe they would run in store or maybe they would... Um, I don't, I don't quite know what the intention was for them. Maybe it was just for staff as a sort of um, perk. I don't know. But anyway, I got this, uh, I got this, this promo copy of Ninja Gaiden Sigma um, for my PS3, and I think as with you, it took me a bit of time to kind of adjust to it, to get into it, and to really work out what this thing was. And I think I had a few attempts before I finally got through it, which was probably about a year later. And I I find Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 particularly to be really quite compelling in that there are times when you're playing them where you just want to rip your hair out. Um, but it, there's something very satisfying about overcoming the challenge and I think they are very... I don't know. I don't know how I quite describe them, and I suppose that's what what this episode is going to be for—to try and put words to how I feel about these games. Um, so I went on and played Ninja Gaiden Sigma Two and uh, Ninja Gaiden Razor's Edge, which was number three. Um, I've never played the original ones, but I have played all all the uh, all the three-dimensional newer games by Ninja Theory. So yeah, I I I describe myself. I think I think I said on the last episode as a moderate fan of the Ninja Gaiden series, and I think I stand by that. Um, where did you play Ninja Gaiden for this episode? I played it uh, backwards compatible on the Series X. I played the original Xbox version of Ninja Gaiden Black, but I didn't realise. And after doing some research before we did, did like start recording today. Because I, I picked up Ninja Gaiden on the original Xbox, is in the physical yes. copy, um, when I was with you um, in CEX. But it's the same game, isn't it? Ninja Gaiden and Ninja Gaiden Black no. is the same game, is it not? Well, so it depends how you define the same game. Um, they made quite a lot of changes. It is... right. I suppose you could almost describe it as a director's edition. I see, like a DX. Ninja Gaiden, yeah. And then Ninja Gaiden Sigma is a, is another director's edition. Um, and there's always some debate about which is better, Sigma or Black. And most people say Black, but very few people say the original. So I think, for the most part, it's considered... I played it in the best place then, game. really. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um and as I said, the the reason that Ninja Gaiden Sigma got released in the recent collection that was released um, was not for any reason of quality, but I think it's because they lost the source code to Ninja Gaiden Black. Right. So wh- where where I played it as well was also uh, the Xbox Series X. That was almost a sentence that I just made there. <laughs> yeah. I played played the Xbox Series X, and um, 
that version is a lovely version because they upscale it to 4K and it runs at 60 frames per second. And it does look good. Really quite, yeah, for a 2005 game, I think it looks glorious. I yeah. think it looks so good. They've done a really good um, job on upscaling it. Yeah, and, and, and partially due to the fact that the original game looked really nice on the original Xbox. Um, but yeah, it looks really nice. And I'd recommend, if you are remotely interested in playing the game, if after we've discussed the game you're interested in playing the game, that that would be the place that you'd pick it up, I think. Yeah, um, and I think that there there will be listeners of this that enjoyed some of our other episodes, like because there are strong comparisons to be made between this and Devil May Cry. I, I, I remember sending you a voice note saying it really reminded me of that, and then uh, you mentioned God of War as well. Um, yeah. And I was actually, I had a Teams call with my colleague earlier today who's a listener, George, uh, and I said to him, have you ever played Ninja Gaiden? He, I, he said no. And he's like a huge, huge fan of Devil May Cry. I said, you should probably mm. check it out because I think you'd probably like it. It's in a very, very, oh, very definitely. similar vein. Yeah. I think it was the the genre that Devil May Cry established. Yeah. And surprisingly, I mean, when I was looking through this list, there are quite a surprising number of entrants that you would put within this genre from the list um so you've got obviously devil may cry you've got ninja guide and you've got god of war one and, god two. Of war one and two to a lesser extent the new god of war because i think it's more of an action adventure yeah game. it is it's very um, different to the original and i think there might be maybe a, a couple of others on there as well um i mean these are these are action games very combat heavy often about challenge score and yeah so it's it's, it's an interesting one um so, what can you tell us about the plots? So, th- this this game does take place in the same universe as Dead or Alive, doesn't it? It's within the it same um, same world as that. But I'm pretty sure that this game is a prequel to the original Ninja Gaiden that was on the NES from the 1980s. Um, but you play as Ryu... Is his surname Hayabusa? Hayabusa, yeah. Um, who is a he's a master ninja effectively, and he sees his town be burnt down, and it, it's um, it's destroyed by effectively what's like a, a demon. Um, what's the demon called? The black is it the black samurai or something? Yeah, so you've, Doku. you've got the black. Yeah, the black samurai Doku. Um, and you've got your. You also are introduced to your. Uh, I don't know how you. I think she's your senpai. Yeah. And that is uh, Ayani. No, you're you're her senpai. No, no, only on um, on Ninja Dog difficulty. Oh, I see. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, effectively, the the story is really a, a revenge story. Um, Ryu gets nailed by Doku after the first chapter. And well, after the second chapter, and the rest of the game is is spent tracking down Doku. Um, I I said to you before we recorded, full disclosure, I didn't complete this game. Um, I found it a little bit too frustrating to get through, and time time frame etc. But you did complete it, didn't you? Yes, it's the second time. I don't know, maybe the third time I've completed it. I've completed sigma at least once maybe twice and obviously completed black but it was the first time that i completed black and there are some there are some differences between sigma and black 
for example, Sigma is much more combat heavy and they take out a lot of the puzzles um, for better or worse in Sigma. And Sigma also add, adds, I think, four or five levels where you play as Rachel, um, which obviously completely changes the flow of the game. So this is why I say, although Ninja Gaiden, the original version, although these are all versions of that game, they do differ quite a lot in, in how they present the game. Um, yeah, so I completed the game. Um, and your mentor in this game, I forget his name. I'm not very good with names in general, but... He, he yeah. turns out to um, to betray you, doesn't he? He does. Turns out to be the emperor uh, of the land. <laughs> probably the emperor of betrayal. Here. I mean, story is there. It gives you... So, so you've also got Rachel, who is introduced partway through the story. She's she's a bit and... like a a demon hunter, isn't she? Yeah. She, so, she... and she's she's hunting for her sister. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of her quest through the game. So you have regular encounters with Rachel and um, her sister as well, who you fight three times, I think. And yeah, it's it's. The, the plot is really an excuse to go on this adventure where you're doing a lot of combat, you're fighting a lot of things. I think it serves its purpose. It's not amazing. The voice acting is not amazing. Um, no. And it does the an, job. Another issue that I had with the voice acting is it's very quiet. I think a lot of... An issue that I have with a lot of the games from like the mid-noughties is that it was a massive problem in the original Sonic Adventure is that the mixing was really bad. So you'd have characters speaking or characters saying dialogue, but the music over the top of it or the sound effects around it would be too loud, so you can't really hear what the, the characters are saying and it's being drowned out. Did you find the same thing? I did, and, and I think that's because... I think the quality... I don't think it was to do with the sound. I think it was the quality of the audio. Oh. I think it was a bit muffly, and it wasn't very crisp, and I don't think it was the usual audio that we're used to in this day and age and when when they've done the upscaling for the visuals i don't think they've touched the audio at all so you're just hearing the original audio i'm sure there are things they could do to the audio but obviously that would take time and expense on microsoft's parts because all of the, all of the backwards compatible stuff was done by microsoft not by um uh team ninja did i say ninja theory earlier it's team ninja Team Ninja, I think, I think you said theory. before. Oh, did I? Oh, good. <laughs> I think you're good. I think well, you're fine. You're covered. Yeah, so so I did notice that, and I got used to it, but yeah, I definitely noticed it at first. Um, but yes, so th that's the plot, really. I mean, that wasn't very a good. It wasn't a very good plot summary, but... The, the, the mean, plot isn't really the driving factor behind this game, though. No. Um, what, what do you do? Because... One thing that I've started, so so a bit of a, a bit of a view behind the curtain again as to how we do this. So we will select our game that we're going to do, and one of us will write notes for the episode, and then we, as you can probably tell, we kind of ad lib a lot between those notes. But the notes are just a general structure, and what I've added into my notes um, for the games that I'm doing is what you actually do in a game because. We talk about a genre, we talk about the plot, we talk about the gameplay, but it's not necessarily what you do. For example, in something like Uncharted, 
you will be using a gun for the most part, but then you'll have these platforming segments interspersed with these pu puzzle segments and these set pieces in between. That's what you do in Uncharted. So what do you do in Ninja Gaiden Black? You, uh, you ninja about. Just do some ninjaing. Is, uh, is what it is. It, it's a very different kind of ninja game to any other that I've played in the past. It's this, not a stealthy ninja game. No, and I think that's that's my main problem with it. But this game is primarily hack and slash. It's make progress, do a little bit of platforming, and then come up on a room or an alley full or something full of enemies, all with different ways to defeat them, all with different abilities all with various ways to frustrate you and make you swear. You get past them, you'll maybe do a few puzzles, and then the norm is at the end of a level you'll fight a boss. And that's pretty much it. And if you explore a little bit, you will pick up different items and different weapons. Um, but what you do in this game is primarily action um, and fighting-based. Yep, so you've got, your, you've got the occasional puzzle. And when I say puzzle, I, I say puzzle in the vein of Resident Evil, which is pick up this key or this thing and take it here. That's usually the extent of the puzzles. And then you've got some platforming segments which really haven't aged tremendously well, mainly down to the camera. Um, and then, yeah, you do have... Uh, so some of the levels later on, they throw more than one boss at you in each level. And I think in the final couple of chapters um you face like six bosses within two chapters so you'd have loved that i think yeah i'd have lost my temper a lot faster than uh the speed in which i did lose my temper while playing this game so i'm quite glad that i uh, i stopped playing and didn't break my xbox controller yeah that, i mean even for me having played sigma before knowing what i was getting into there were some times where I was getting very annoyed. And I'll probably elaborate on that a bit. And you, well, you knew before we even played this game that I probably wouldn't get on with it very well. Um, yeah, I thought you'd find it frustrating. Yeah, I, I think the more that we do these games for the list, I realise that I'm a very, not a specific type of gamer, but I have games and game types that I enjoy and then others that will just frustrate me, or I just won't be able to get my head around. And this is certainly a genre of game that I just struggle with. It was the same with um, Devil May Cry, but strangely enough, not with God of War. Um, yeah, you did complete both of those though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really, really struggled getting to the end of um, Devil May Cry. I don't know if I did complete Devil May Cry. I think I did. I can't remember. Yeah, I think you did. I, I seem to remember that you did. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know. that They're not for me, but I'm also very aware that usually if I say a game isn't for me, I'll be quite um, damning of it, but I don't think I will be with this game. I just realised that this wasn't a game that I liked, you know? Well, I was going to say that often the situations where I found myself banging my head against a wall Often they were of my own creating, and I'll, I'll get into why that is. And it's not to say that this game doesn't have its frustrating bits, because it does have some. Yeah. But I think sometimes it was me getting myself into a bit of a mess and then having to, as expertly as possible, get myself out of the mess. Um, 
Okay, so I think that really nicely brings us on to our ever-present feature, Gameplay is King. I think this is going to be an interesting one to discuss for this game, because I think there are two disparate parts for this. Um, so is the game fun to play? Yeah. The, the combat and the movement is quite fluid. It takes a bit of time to get used to it, but once you get to grips with the combat, it is fun. Like we say, it is frustrating. And like you said as well, it does take a bit of time to get your head around it. But once you're there, it is fun, I'd say. Um, it just takes a bit of time for you to kind of get to grips with that style of gameplay, I think. What would you say? I think the character control for you, I love it. That's probably the biggest strength, I'd say, that this game has. I think just controlling Ryu, running around, doing um, wall jumps, um, fighting, running up walls. When you're not battling against the camera, I, f I just find it really rewarding. And I think it gives you really nice feedback from the controller, the way it rumbles. And I think, especially at 60 frames per second, Ryu feels really, really good to control. And... I'd agree with that. It's, I just, I just, it just when it clicks, it just, I don't think you can get much better than it. And there are, see, this is this game is not where it shouldn't be played as a button masher. There are very specific moves that you can do, very specific techniques that you can master, and it's all about the way that you play most of the time when you're not basting the camera. Um, and I think the other thing that makes the game, well, Ryu, fun to control is the animation. It's got excellent animation, especially for the time. I mean, if I were to compare this to Devil May Cry personally, I think for me it's night and day better. But obviously some people really love Devil May Cry and that's fair enough. Mm. Um, but yeah, I really, I think that's the thing that really made me click with this game. I just love the way that it animates and love the way that it's so responsive and it's got a really nice feedback loop and yeah. Um, and then you've got the other parts to it which is the pacing which sometimes that's, that's the bit that I find a bit frustrating. Um, I read something from someone saying that they love the way that Ryu controls but they wish that Ryu was in a different game. And I can understand why some people would think that way. I don't necessarily think that myself but... Um, I can understand why some people would have that grievance with the game. Um, so, do you have a favourite move that you enjoyed using most? Well, as you progress through the game, you can pick up different weapons. And the first one that you kind of find is... Um, oh, I can't even remember how to pronounce The Lugo or the Ludo? The, the big red yeah. stick. Yes. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Um, but anyway, I didn't use that. <laughs> So you, you you pick up different weapons, so like nunchucks, etc. But I just stuck with the sword. I didn't really even use the bow and arrow much, to be honest with you. But I enjoyed getting those really satisfying kills with the weapon, like when you like slide through someone and cut their head off. Um, yeah. And you'd have to do very specific moves to do stuff like that. And I wasn't always able to pull it off. But when the combat's good and when you've got the knack of it and when you're in the flow... The, the sword play is fun and it is good and it's it's good to counter so I'd say moves like that you know beheadings what do you, what would you say 
Yeah, this game is is very gory at times in a, in a kind of cartoony, comicy way. Yeah, and that also makes it very satisfying. Um, yeah, I used a combination of um, the the dragon sword and its various iterations because later on you get the dark dragon sword and you also get from Doku you get a very similar sword from him um, and the Vigurian flail which is kind of um, nunchucks with uh, blades on the end which are quite fun to use as well and I think probably my favourite move to do there's a, there's a move called the flying swallow which is when you jump and Ryu jumps towards an enemy really fast and you just tap Y and you just slice into them especially for bosses it can be really really useful um it's another move i can't remember what this one's called but it's similar so if you if you do a roll for example and then you move your analog stick in the direction of an enemy and then you tap x quickly you do a couple of uh, cuts as well that again can be really effective at getting through armor um and i love the wall jumps and the platforming minus the camera yeah um like I said, I think they they just feel really responsive. I think to be completely fair for for favorite move, I just had to say Ryu, just controlling Ryu. I just find again, with the exception of the camera, which it's an old camera and it really gets in your way at times, and especially with combat with lots of enemies on screen. Yeah, it can be really really annoying and. There are fights later on where it gets stuck in places and doesn't show you any of the action. There are other fights where it auto-locks onto a boss and the camera just fixates onto the boss. Um, but it means that you can only run in certain directions and it just, yeah. I, I hate the camera then. I can't stand the camera then. Um, so I think this is a bit like you with Mario 64. The camera just drove me a bit mad. Um, yeah. Not always, but there are times when it really got on my nerves. Um, there is an option that you can you can use where you click in the right analog stick and you can use a free camera. And, it's um, a lot better. Can... Oh yeah, it's so much better. Otherwise you end up tapping the trigger button constantly to, to reset your camera to where you want to look. And that's not always that easy. I actually only found that out about three quarters of the way through the game and it was a bit of a game changer for me, so that was nice. Um, so I wanted to talk a bit about the design of this game. Now, you you have levels, you have chapters, and so you start off in the Hayabusa village and you've got a couple of chapters there, and then you go on an airship, which is one of my favorite levels, during a storm. And um, generally speaking, for the most part, I, I find the level design to be very good in that you'll find often that the levels loop around themselves. I always like it when... I think I said this in the Code Veronica episode, funnily enough, a game that I didn't enjoy that much. Our but... favourite game. <laughs> but for a little while, I thought it had really good level design, but then it kind of went off a cliff a bit. Um, I, I like it in games where you'll see a door really early on, and then maybe two hours later... Yeah, you can go through you, it. You'll unlock that door, and you unlock a shortcut to and other parts and because a lot of this game you send you spend within the capital city of Tehran I don't know how to pronounce that I might be pronouncing that in the way that the capital of Iran is is pronounced but I don't know um yeah so 
sometimes uh, you, so you spend a lot of time in this city and you'll be going back there and you'll be unlocking different parts later on and I think it's quite smartly designed sometimes the pacing goes against it and save points will be too far away from each other or you'll, you'll be just before a boss and you'll really want a shop and then you won't have a shop so so i'll give you i'll give you an example i know i, I realize i've been talking a lot but it doesn't matter um so I, I think it's the chapter before or the chapter after the chapter that you got up to where you go into the crypts yeah of the chapel and there's a bit where you fight some uh basically undead zombie things and they take quite a lot of damage to put down and for whatever reason i didn't have many items to begin with because when I play these games, I tend not to buy stuff unless I have to. But in this game, you really do have to spend your money on items. Yeah, big time. Um, so I ran out of items and then I was making my way back up and I literally had no healing items. Um, and there was a boss and I saved the game, but there was no shop. And because I was moving back up, I was stuck within this area with no shop, but this boss with no healing items. And... I was getting very angry doing this boss and basically I taught myself to dodge the majority of the moves and to whittle away the damage that way and I did it but in that moment I was getting very 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 annoyed and I, I was thinking why can't they just put a shop here for god's sake um, but in, in hindsight it was my fault in that it, I should have been more prepared and I, I didn't get caught by that trap again it's, it's classic it's classic mid-2000s game design isn't it a lot of yeah. a lot of stuff isn't put there to inconvenience you yeah and, and you kind of this is a game where you learn your lessons the hard way and I learnt my lesson the hard way there because I must have spent probably 45 minutes plus on this boss um, and like I said, didn't make that mistake again. The thing and is, if I was doing that, the, the the thing that I find with this game, and I, to be honest, it's only just come into my head, like while you've been speaking there, is something that I'm really glad we've mostly left in the past, is lack of checkpoints in games and lack of save yeah. points in games, because. Nothing puts me off playing a game these days. Like back in the day, I didn't really care. But nothing put, puts me off more playing a game these days is if I make good progress somewhere and I haven't had an opportunity to save or there isn't an autosave feature or there isn't a checkpoint and I die. Because yeah. then I feel like, not the game isn't respecting my time, but I just feel like I've wasted my time and... Obviously, that's a, that's a big part of, you know, getting good at a game is learning not to die, learning from your mistakes and progressing. But at the same time, I like gaming for convenience now, particularly when we're playing games um, from the list because we want to try and get through them and we want to experience as much of it as possible. And, yeah, it, it was something that I found frustrating. There are a few times, I think um, it was the first chapter... Four. I think it's chapter four, the first time you get to the, the capital city place. And I got yeah. right to the end and then I died. 
And because there hadn't been a save point up to that point, I then had to restart that entire level. And the setback's only five or ten minutes, but it is still so frustrating when you feel you shouldn't have died to something and then you have to go back and do everything again. It's, it's a small thing, but I'm really glad that that isn't as prominent as it once was. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think we, we've touched on this in prior episodes about us just people generally nowadays being less patient and mm. games being less trial and error and we, we've become accustomed to different things and I mean I think there are arguments to be made either way oh, about of course less patient gamers but I, I I also have felt exactly the thing that you're talking about where you're playing a game it could be anything and you die and then you're thinking oh, I really hope that it saved a checkpoint and then you go back, I don't know, it could be 10 minutes, but you just think, oh, it's so annoying. Why is that a thing nowadays? So I've, I've definitely felt that. Um, and I also think Ninja Gaiden has a bad tendency to, before bosses, it'll give you a save point. Yeah. But before you get to this, the boss, you've got to run through either a section of platforming or some enemies. And whereas something that I loved about Celeste when we played it, if you die, you're right back at the beginning of the screen straight away, no fuss, yeah. and you just go again. And it means that you keep thinking one more time, just one more time. But in this game, you think, oh, I've got to go through all that again. Well, yeah, be- I, I turned it off about four times uh, when I died because I was like, I don't want to do that again. I don't have the patience for it. I did eventually go back and do it, but it shouldn't be like that with a game. Like you said, no. it should be like you say, oh, one more time, I'll give it another go. Not, oh, I can't be asked. Yeah, and it can be quite soul-destroying, but I think that's something that games are learning about, and I mean, the other solution is a, is a Dark Souls-style approach, where if you die, you go back to the bonfire, but you, you keep well, you, you keep certain things and you lose other things, you lose your souls. Um, again, it requires a lot of patience. Um, I'm surprised I, I none of those games them. are on this list. Yeah, it is. It is surprising, actually. Um, I think we may get on to talking about them a little bit later in the episode with the question of the week. But um, yes, okay. Uh, so we've discussed the visuals, and what particularly do you think has aged well about this game visually? It, it isn't like the FMVs or anything like that, but it's just how sharp this game looks. And obviously, it's been upscaled into 4K, and it runs at 60 FPS. But Ryu's character design is really good it's very cheesy but it's very good and the the thing with this game that i found a bit confusing is that it starts off and it feels like you're in you know ancient japan and then all of a sudden you're on an airship with neon lights everywhere and it's kind of a timeless game it is exactly but that works in its favour, and I think that the overall aesthetic of this game, it would have been a lot more boring if it had been in um, ancient Japan. But that, that's not to say games set in that time aren't fun. Like I've played Ghost of Tsushima, and I don't think you've played that at all, have you? No. I think you'd enjoy it. I think you'd really like it. That is just set in ancient um, ancient Japan, I think. I think it's Japan. Um and yeah, it's brilliant. But this game does well for having different areas and going into like a neon bar 
and airships. It's, it's weird, but that's the aesthetic that works for it. And just with the upscaling, it looks very sharp and very crisp. And call it ninja punk. Yeah, ninja punk, n- ninja punk would be the word. <laughs> well, it's a bit like um, Devil May Cry, if you remember. That was a modern game. But if you just took most of the levels in isolation, you wouldn't necessarily think that it was set in modern times because... Most of the, most of it looks medieval. Um, yeah, so definitely. I think it's probably something a bit inherited from the DMC games. Maybe it's inherited from the two D games, but I am no authority on those, so I won't cast judgment. Um, I think we said it in the MGS three episode. Good animation can get you so far, and when a game is well animated. I think it can make the graphics look so much better when it moves nicely. And I said the same about MGS3, and I think it's the same here. So even if it didn't look so nice and so sharp, I think it would still look better than a lot of the games from the time because the animation is so good. Um, Then you add to the fact that it does look sharp and crisp and it's aged quite well and the textures look okay and character models look chunky and... um, very much like fighting games did at the time and yeah I I find it a really pleasing aesthetic and I think it's got a pretty good soundtrack yeah the music's decent I don't think it's amazing but it's yeah it suits the game quite nicely yeah definitely Um, okay on to our question of the week now this is a question about challenge and I'm sure uh, many people who are fans of Ninja Gaiden or fans of difficult games have probably been screaming, listening to us. Um, probably only be okay at this game, which is how I describe myself. I'm not. I'm not astounding at this game. I'm. I'm okay at this game. I'm bad at some. this game. <laughs> um, so, do you think that challenge adds to a game? And what do you consider to be fair challenge? Give give me an example in terms of fair challenge. What do you mean by that? Um, because we talked we talked about on the podcast before cheap challenge versus fair challenge. Mm-hmm. So I suppose fair challenge is something that feels winnable. Um, compared to something that feels like it's weighted against you. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for steep difficulty curves where you're plodding along fine and all of a sudden you just get smacked in the face by something that is so hard and so unexpected it kind of knocks you for six. Do you know what game draws... uh, I can't speak today. (laughs) Do you know what game is called to my mind when you say that? Go on. Persona 5 Royal... um, with um, Okamura. Okamura, yeah, that was that was stupid. Yeah. Like, I anyone that listens to this podcast knows that I loved that game, but that fight was so badly designed it almost made me stop playing. And unbelievably bad. You what? Sorry. Unbelievably bad. Yeah, it was it was horrendous, and I actually watched a video yesterday. Um, there's a YouTube channel that I'm subscribed to called Platinum Journey where a guy will play a game and he'll show you his journey of getting a platinum trophy and he was doing Dead Space 2. Yeah. And the Dead Space games are somewhat difficult 
to to a small extent, but he was the 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 way to get a platinum on this game is to play hardcore mode, um, which only gives you three saves throughout the game, and I think there's about thirteen chapters. Right. And like he was going mad, it was so difficult, and I think stuff like that where you're playing on a specific mode, and you know what to to expect is all good. And even so, with games like Ninja Gaiden, I think it's fine if you know what you're getting into. And it's it, it goes back to the old argument of like games from the 80s were particularly difficult. And there are some games that are devilishly hard, including the original Ninja Gaiden. And it was always the element of, well, if you want to play it, then you've just got to get good. You've just got to work it out. And it seems that way with Ninja Gaiden. If you get good at this game and you've got the patience for it, and that's the key word, then you'll have a great time. But for me, I often find... And it will probably put me into the the category of just being a casual gamer, really, but if a game has a difficulty curb or that I, I find to be too steep or doesn't respect my time without showing me that it's that kind of game, i.e. you play... Dark Souls, you know what you're getting into. The, the the tagline of the game is you will die or prepare to die or something. And I think those kind of games are absolutely fine if that is the kind of game you're looking for. However, I'd be I'd probably be pretty irritated if in 2005 I spent 40 pounds on a game because that's how much games used to cost. And I couldn't play it because it was too difficult. Like you think back to the the eighties, a lot of people would rent games from Blockbuster, and there wasn't any online reviews, and there was no way to find out if a game was going to screw you over. It's just you'd go and rent that game or buy that game, and then that'd be it. And if it was too hard or if it was badly designed, like with the Okamura fight in, in Persona Five Royal, that's it. Like you can't Google it. So. I'm very middle of the road in answering your question. I don't even know if I have answered it, but I'm a bit funny well, with I think it's not big a difficulty curves. Answer, is it? No, no, and it's why it's why I loved and I, I remember saying it in the Celeste episode. I loved the fact that there was an accessibility option there for yeah. the players that did want to, you know, experience the game, but maybe they just weren't quite good enough in terms of skill or maybe they had a disability which meant that they weren't able to have the reaction speeds that that game requires there was an accessibility option there to let those people experience the whole game at their own pace and it's the same with Mario 3D World you had the golden tanuki suit yeah. stuff like that's brilliant because it means that everyone's included and I think the old mentality of the, the 80s and the 90s of well, well if you're not good then you can't play it I think it's slowly disappearing there is still some yeah well slowly yeah. there are still a lot of you know pockets of of gatekeeping isn't it yeah and you know Jim Sterling used to have a um, used to have a, a little segment on their show where I think it was called commentocracy or something like that oh I love it where it was people putting comments and saying well if you don't want to fail and you want to play this game then you just have to get good and Jim Sterling was dressed as like a a, like an 18th century fop restoration dame yeah it was brilliant 
Um, but that, yeah. that, that that those kind of people exist. You know that they're yeah, they're, they're gatekeepers to their specific series that they love. And to be fair, I probably am to some extent as well. When it when it comes to us playing some of the games that are on my list, I'll probably be like, "Oh, so did you do it this way?" And you'll say no, and I'll be like, "What? But why?" You, you know, it, it's a funny yeah. thing, and I think it's a bit of a tribal thing. But for me, I, I'm not into games that are too difficult or require a lot of patience or a lot of skill because I'm not great at games a lot of the time. But that that was a a bit of a. Around round round the garden down the garden path answer rather than a direct answer. I, just, I think there is there is no simple answer. And no. I think um, we we talked briefly about the Ninja Dog mode in Ninja Gaiden Black. Now there was no, there was nothing less than normal difficulty in the original Ninja Gaiden on Xbox. And they added this ninja dog mode, which, yes, it has a demeaning title, um, which I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't want to have. Same with them, just five and the chicken hat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you, with in within ninja dog mode, you get extras from Ayani, and the role switches so that she is no longer your student, and you are her student, and things like that but but generally speaking it's actually considered quite a smart um easy mode and an easy mode that still is challenging so i think it's a a step in the right direction but i do agree with you i think these barriers for entry need to come down people play games for fun games should be fun and uh, you mentioned about doing things a certain way in a certain game I think we all do it. I mean, we all hold our interests closely because for many people, our interests are what define us. So if someone were to question your interests, it's it's silly and that it, that is what tribalism is, but it's almost like saying, well, you're questioning me as a person, you're questioning my identity because such a large part of my identity is that whatever. And it's all silliness when you think about it, but... I think those are the things that we cling on to to give us identity and to make us different from other people. Yeah, hundred percent. So on and so on. Um, yeah, I I always like to use the question of the week as, a, as an opportunity to to discuss a different aspect of gaming that maybe we haven't discussed elsewhere within the podcast. So that maybe by the end of it, we'd have discussed at least the major areas of gaming. And I think challenge is one that's always a very very difficult question to answer and one that I think developers find difficult to get right Um, let's move on to our our final wrap up section so does Ninja Gaiden Black placed at number 64 with a meta score of 94 does it deserve its place on the list I think so like, like I've made very clear this isn't really a game for me and I mentioned it to you during the week that there are ninja games that I've played in the past that I do really like. And for me, I enjoy ninja style games that are stealth. I'm not, I'm, I'm much more of a slow paced gamer, really. And that would take me to things like Ghost of Tsushima, where if you do want to play it 
and go in guns blazing, you can. Probably best not to, but that's that's a gameplay style you can go with, whereas it's better to go with stealth. And if you go back even even further, I used to love the Tenchu series on the PS1. They're brilliant. And I don't think they've released a Tenchu game in a very, very long time. That series is pretty much dead. And this game... I'll be interested to see my thoughts on it after we've played God of War 2. Because we often put games in different genres and packages when we discuss them, like with the Zelda games and with the the Orange Box collection. And I'll be interested to see what my thoughts on it are after we've played God of War 2, because I enjoyed the first God of War. But those are all games that are in the same genre. Yeah. And I think this game's good, but I'm interested to have the conversation when the time's right of, okay, God of War, God of War 2, DMC, and Ninja Gaiden. If you could only have one on the list, what would you choose? And I think out of playing those genre of games so far, we've, we've done God of War 1, DMC, and Ninja Gaiden. I'd go with God of War. Um, but this game isn't for me, but I think it deserves its space on the list. It's a good game. It's solid. It's tight. It looks good. It's held up well. And it's got it. It's got its place for its fans, which isn't me, and that's fine, you know. Yeah, and and it's funny that you say that because I, I was thinking a lot when I was playing this game. Um, similarly to you, I was thinking about Devil May Cry, and I was thinking, isn't it interesting how actually some genres within this list are very well represented, and. Maybe we'll do something towards the end of the list where we do have an episode where we say, okay, what's the best adventure game? What's the best platform? Yeah. What's the best indie game? So on, so on, so on. And I was I was, I was, was thinking about those games that we've played before. So we've played Devil May Cry, we've played God of War. Now for me, of those two so far, I think for me personally, I would rate Ninja Gaiden more highly than those. Um, but... I'm also fond of God of War 2 more so than God of War. So I know that that will be a bit of a battle when we come to that. Um, I, I still don't think I've fully been able to put into words why I like Ninja Gaiden. Um, no, it's a funny one. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a very atmospheric game. And, I, and often with games, atmosphere can win me over more than anything else. And when you're on the airship and you've got this storm around you and you can see out of the windows and when you're in Tehran and you can see in the distance, you can see the city spires and places that you've been, places that you're going to. It's just really, there's this thick atmosphere, this really nicely realised world um, that they've created. And I find that really compelling. I think... It's the thing that didn't really grip me so much about Devil May Cry grip me here. So even if I hadn't enjoyed the gameplay so much, I think I would have been compelled to play just to see what area I was going to next. Mm. And this is why I got into the series. And funnily enough, I've got that same itch having completed Ninja Gaiden Black that I did when I completed Sigma, which is, I want to play another game like this because that combination of challenge atmosphere just wonderful gameplay i want something so i'm so i'm thinking about going and playing um ninja gaiden 2 again and 
that's I suppose the the biggest and best endorsement that I can give this game. Just know that if you do want to play this game after this episode, it is challenging, even probably on Ninja Dog difficulty, and that you may get frustrated. Um, you do need to be patient. Um, but if you're into those sort of games, I think you'll find a very rewarding game. Luckily um, luckily for you as well, we don't have too long before we're going to be um, playing God of War 2, which is similar gameplay. So you've got that yes. to look forward to, haven't you? So for me, it does deserve its get its place on the list. Um, maybe I think I'd edit... Because considering the games that we've played on this list, uh, to, to me, they've been a, such a variety of quality. Yeah, they vary massively. Um, so for me personally, this is a game that I have have actually enjoyed. I think I would push it up, but we'll we'll see where we rate it when we come to our rating ranking yes. episode Quite. at the end. But yeah, I've enjoyed this one. Good. Okay, what have we got coming up on the list? So the next game we are covering is a bit of a bit of a follow up from a game that we did quite a while ago now. Um, not a direct sequel or anything, but. We are going to be playing Perfect Dark, which to a lot of people is a bit of a successor to Goldeneye on the N64. Um, it's very highly rated, Perfect Dark, and it's my first time playing through it. So I think it will be a good episode because Rare, particularly at that time in history, didn't really make bad games. So it should be a good one. I'm quite looking forward to it. What about you? you, you uh, yeah. Are you looking forward to playing a bit of... I like Perfect Dark. We both like Goldeneye as well. I think we both spoke very fondly about Goldeneye in that episode, and I think we both enjoyed... That was a very, very long episode was. back in the day. I mean, that was two years ago now, really. Almost, anyway. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to Perfect Dark, and I've started it already. I know you have too, have. but that will be in two weeks' time. It will indeed. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, all the usual stuff, uh, social media, the Long and Short of It podcast... Email us at long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. And yeah, if you're enjoying us, little call to arms as usual, please give us a rate on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, would be greatly appreciated. But now I can answer the question that everyone has been asking themselves since we started recording this episode of what I'm going to have for my tea. Dan, please ask me what, <laughs> what I'm going to have for result? my tea. What are you going to have for your. I'm going to say dinner because that's what I say from the South. Southerners. Um, I have just ordered a Chinese meal from Wok Star. So that's, that's multitasking, that is. I know, you're impressed. I, just, just as we were wrapping up there, I was like, let's go on, just eat. What am I going to get? Got some, got some sweet and sour chicken balls, got some udon noodles. It's going to be a good time. And I hear you may be paying me a visit within the next couple of weeks. Yes, um, I'm up your part of the world for work um, towards the towards the end of the month, so I'll be uh, popping in and perhaps we can record something together. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that would be around the time of Perfect Dark, so if we can time it nicely, then yes, why not? Indeed. Well... It might be the case, and when you next hear us, listeners, we will be in the same room recording again, but who knows in this wild world. But that is all from me for today. Anything else from you? That's it from me. Very good. Well, we'll see you next time, and in the meantime, take care. Cheerio. See you on the next one.